0: Thanks to viewers like you and SassyGamers.com. Bard Rock Cafe can exist, I guess. So, like, you can find links to SassyGamers, our Patreon, and social media stuff in the show notes.
1: Just click. Thanks. Previously on Bard Rock Cafe, with some time before the luncheon with the Ralnarth family, the party answered the summons from Saren to meet at the Hall Dwarf, a secret tavern in Waterdeep. Epi disappeared again and Brock negotiated a temporary peace between the Guildless and the Ralnar's family until he could convince the Ralnar's to donate the potions they had been hoarding. Then Armbar beat Seren in a drinking contest. Now the party must prepare for the luncheon. What could go wrong? Find out today on Bardrock Cafe!
2: Welcome back to episode 29 of Bardrock Cafe. Last time, the party found their way down to the keelhauled dwarf, and among other things, had a conversation with Saren, didn't go anywhere, Epi disappeared again, and Armbar drank Saren under the table, and earned the respect of all the dwarves in the tavern as well, because he found the drink that the dwarves drink to get drunk. Picking up back right now, you guys have just left, as Saren kicked you out of his little corner of the tavern, what would you like to do? Oh, and also, Rock Song is drunk.
1: Yep, from smelling a beer, Brock is walking out and he's actually stumbling out of the keeled Hall Dwarf. He's like, guys, guys, this is going to be awesome. Check it out. And he taps his chest and summons the deck of many things. And he draws oh, the top great. card.
3: No. Just
2: no. right out of the gate, huh? We're yep, already doing. He drunkenly thought
1: this was a great idea. You're doing this in front of everybody? <sighs> yep, just in front. Well, this is after we leave, so it's just like in front of like the... Party like I'm not doing this in oh, the tavern. Oh, so where are you then?
0: Isn't that down a
1: tunnel? We're like we're like right in front of the warehouse. Oh, the warehouse. We're like in the Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah once we've gotten to the back to the warehouse, it's just us. Okay. So you get escorted back through the tunnels, out of
2: the Keel Hall door, and back to the, the warehouse. So you're in the relative safety of this warehouse, no one what is really around? Oh, uh,
1: we do ask. We do ask for the password so that Armbar can access his lifetime supply of access, though. They need that. Sure. And as you're being led back out of the tavern
2: tells you oh sure well we had a lot of going back and forth about which password would go best for a place called keelhaul dwarf you see it changes from generation to generation with uh you know my grandfather he decided to keep it as swordfish and my father decided to make it one two three four we're not really sure why it's not like we have a keypad he wanted people to actually say one two three four but anyway when my brother took over he decided that one two three four was entirely stupid so uh instead he decided to go with thomas
1: <laughs> Thanks. oh like the tank engine
3: what's a tank
1: well i there's such a thing as trains so i imagine the tank engine would still be a thing
2: <laughs> anyway so you are welcome to come back anytime Don't mention Keystone Light anymore. We have a really long, rich tradition of not drinking garbage ale at this tavern. We know that you surface-dweller types kind of have a different view on that sort of thing. It takes a little less to get you drunk, but I think it's generations of dwarves have just bred really efficient livers, and we just don't get drunk very easily. Which is why we have that ale that my brother fed you all, and uh, the big guy right here, he's just really impressive. Because most most non-dwarves, they just just get a whiff of that, and they're on the floor, like you. You're not okay right now. You should probably take a cold shower when you get home. Anyway... I hope you have a good rest of your night. Thank you for visiting the Keel Hall Dwarf. Don't tell anybody where we are, or we'll hunt you down and kill you. <laughs> and he slams the door behind you. <laughs> Bravo. And
1: at that point, Brock does stu- the whole yeah, at that point, Brock does the thing where he stumbles and draws the deck of many things, draws from the deck of many things. He does not draw the whole thing.
2: Give me just a minute.
1: <laughs> OK. your card draw
2: is the gym.: Oh. Ooh. The gem card. That sounds good. Rocks like, yeah, baby, gems. So, as you draw this card, fifty diamonds just spawn on the ground around
3: you. <laughs> well, I'm so yeah, glad you didn't do this inside. Knees, like,
1: money, 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 money.
2: They all seem to be like well-cut diamonds. They all seem identical. They seem very, very real. They also seem very flawless. Like you look at them, and like they look like a diamond should look if it's perfectly
1: crafted. That's what you have. You have fifty of those. All right, Brock just like give like goes up to Armbar and piles them all in the barrel with Muck.
0: <laughs> muck, pretty.
1: We're not walking around this part of the docks. Just we're not walking around this part of the dock district with just a bunch of diamonds in our hands.
0: I know someone. So the was,
1: diamonds. Go ahead. Oh, I was
0: saying, I know someone who's gonna be really excited about diamonds. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Shame he's not here. It is
0: a shame he's not
2: here. Right. The one time Epi isn't there.
1: <laughs> and actually, I'm familiar with these cards. I think these are much bigger and more expensive diamonds than the one Epi Hawks. It's true, though. <laughs> okay, so as you dump all,
2: what did I say, 50?
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 50 diamonds
2: into the, the barrel. Buck sort of slowly absorbs each of them and starts to blow like a sparkle vampire. That's amazing.
3: Yeah. Ooh, are these going to get tainted? Uh, I'm sorry? Are these going to get are they tainted? going to get
1: tainted? You don't know.
3: I might be kind of cool.
1: Fine. I put them in the second empty barrel that we had from kidnapping that one guy. I, you said in the barrel with luck.
4: I know which one drunk Brock would do.
1: <laughs> that's true. Drunk Brock would definitely pick the bar- oh, the barrel that's got his pet slime monster in it. Yep. So
2: they're in there. You said it. So you did it.
1: <laughs> yep. All right. I think it's time to go to bed because I have to go to lunch with my dad tomorrow. I don't want to deal with my dad. He's mean.
0: I'm sorry, Brock. Um, Hey, Armbar, how about you, uh, do you mind maybe helping your friend here? Let's take him back. How about you take him back to
2: bed? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, Tyler could not join us tonight. So I'm having to do my vastly inferior Armbar impression. Yeah, Brock's like, piggyback ride and jumps on the back of the barrel. Armbar slings you over his shoulder like a sack of potatoes. All right, I'll see y'all back at the Bard Rock Cafe. And then starts walking.
0: In that case, I'm also gonna go rest in
2: my home. Okay. Leaves the deer. Where are you going?
3: Um, you know what? Yeah, let's let's just go back. Wait, where am I staying?
1: The Blackstaff's Tower, I believe.
3: Yes. Okay. We'll have a room at the Blackstaff's Tower. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I'll just I'll stay there and, like, he'll wind down the day by writing out all the events of it in his big-ass book Nice before before turning in for Trance. Okay,
2: which brings us, I believe, to Epi. Hi! How's it going? So, Epi, you've been with the party this whole time. You've watched everything that's happened. The problem is you're on the ethereal plane, so while you can see them, they really can't see you, and you're kind of just not able to interact with the physical plane at all. So you. have been present for everything that has happened, but unable to interact in the slightest, as a wild magic surge sends you to the ethereal plane, and you're just not sure how long it's gonna last.
4: So, did I see anything ethereal whilst on this plane? Does anybody look funny and or different from this perspective?
2: Not in particular. Not so far. I mean, it's the ethereal plane, that's where ghosts reside. But, like, it's not like you're going to the graveyard, right? You're here, you're in a tavern. So there's not a whole lot going on. There's like wisps and uh, blowing lights every once in a while, but it's mostly just you're just a little bit out of step with the material plane. Hmm.
4: Well, I can assure you that for the entirety of the time, Epi was trying so hard to mess with drunk Brock and slightly, slightly disappointed that he was unable to do so. But. If everybody's dispersing, ghosts you say, (laughs) I think it would be a good time to maybe pay Diane a visit, if there's nothing else going on while I am in the ethereal plane.
2: Okay, so start walking towards where Diane is.
4: I, I am probably taking so many notes about the ethereal plane. This is the first time I've been here. Do I see any cool ghosts on my trek over
2: there? They start to get more common the closer you get, But, you know, every once in a while you'll see a ghost just in passing. So the ethereal plane is kind of like... Think of it like walking on... Walking in the shallow water at the beach, right? So, if the ocean is the ethereal plane... Yes, you're in the ocean. But you're also not, right? Like, you're still... Like, you could go further into the ocean. But eventually you're going to get swept away. That's how the ethereal plane works. So... You know if you look deeper into the ethereal plane eventually you'll start to see more and more stuff but right now you're just in the shallow water if you look really close you can see like maybe a fish here or there does that make sense
4: yeah yeah i get getcha so i am i am secretly hoping that maybe there, where the ghosts are more prevalent i might be able to uh maybe talk to one of them, if one of them is more present in my little shallow waters?
2: Sure. So, being on the ethereal plane, you are not bound by, like, physical barriers. So you're able to just sort of go. In a straight line. Uh, oh, I you can walk there. through walls right now because they're not there for you. Because you are effectively a ghost right now. So it doesn't take you, but like an hour and a half, maybe, to make your way all the way over to the city of the dead where Diane is. And... Mm-hmm. It is late at night and you see her, she has a small fire going, seems like she is cooking some kind of meat and vegetable stew, and what you see where you guys had all gathered around for tea, now it's just her and she's just cooking the stew, but sitting with her, unnoticed by her is the ghost that she saw hovering behind her that one morning. Yes!
4: Oh, I think I, uh, I think I'm gonna go up and kinda introduce myself, like hello, I, I don't know if we've personally met, but a friend of Diana's. My name's Epi. What's yours?
2: The, the ghostly figure turns and faces you. And it doesn't speak, really. But it does reach out its hand, places it on the side of your face. As he does so, you get flashes of just images. Now you see him sitting here with Diana. And they're talking, laughing. <laughs> That's and you see so him cute. tending to the graveyard with her. You see him waking up one day. Coughing into a rag... ...and as he pulls it away from his mouth... ...there's blood on the rag... ...see him, he hides it from Diana... ...and as she comes in... ...flashes to another image of him... ...it's like you're traveling... ...but it's it's one of those... ...have you ever traveled and like... ...you kind of blink and you're there... ...it's kind of that experience... ...you get the... ...you get the... ...the sense of having... ...walked across the city... ...and you know the path... ...but like you don't have to sit there for... ...however long it takes to walk that path... ...and then you are... ...crossing through the city gates... ...and you're going... a place south outside of Waterdeep. Uh Oh? You go to a a tiny hut, a little cottage with trees on either side of it. You see that there is a very small framed woman sitting on top of a very large crocodile. Nice! And as you, again, you're not really hearing anything, you're mostly just watching this in flashes of memory. And you see the man purchase something from her. Then you flash back to the campfire as the ghost takes his hand away from your cheek. Oh. And lingering in your mind is the sense that this ghost knows you. He has seen you before, and he knows you are trustworthy.
4: So Epi kind of rubs his cheek a little bit, looks at him, is like, uh, wh- "What did you buy from the lady?" And also, is there anything you want to tell Diana? I am probably here in the ethereal plane for a limited time. If it's easier, you can write in the book, and I hand him, or I hold out my book and, and quill.
2: So van hesitates that does take the quill and does take the book and writes in kind of difficult handwriting i purchased a potion to help delay my death but i never told diana what it was or why i was taking it and i don't know why it didn't work please go find patricia nettlesby and her alligator mr spicy, <laughs> mr. spicy. <laughs> she can help you explain to my wife what happened And he he pauses Uh And writes a little bit more at the end Please tell her that I still haven't Broken my promise then he closes the book and hands it back to you
4: Take it, I read over what he wrote Get Diana and I look at him And I nod, I'm like I'll be sure to do that as soon as I can
2: Gives you this very warm, gentle smile Kind of holds his hand out flat Where it's like he's reaching out for your forehead Then he bats you on the forehead (gasps) And launches you out of the ethereal plane Back onto the material plane Onto the bench with Diana.
4: (laughs) Epi kind of shakes his head and looks around and looks at Diana. So Ah! funny, (laughs) story.
2: Hi, Diana. (laughs) Hi, Epi. When did you get here? You scared the life out of me. (laughs) Not all of the life, because
4: you're on the physical plane, not the ethereal plane, which is where I was a couple of seconds ago. Very strange place, I have to admit.
2: Diana looks at her stew and is like, well... I did make enough for two. Would you like a bowl?
4: I nod, and I kind of sit there for a second and think about it. I'm like, so, you remember that drawing I did a
2: little while ago? Handed it to you. She actually pulls out a folded sheet of paper from her pocket and unfolds it. And it's slightly crumpled, but it's the drawing. Yes. So,
4: apparently, I was drawing from the ethereal plane. And I have a letter, kind of, for you. A letter
2: from the ethereal plane.
4: Yeah! And I I write in my book right quick, uh,
2: can you pull up what he wrote? Inferring... Okay, do you want all of what he wrote? Or just the letter to her?
4: Just, just the letter to her.
2: So, since you share a telepathic bond that is inferred, and the last line about keeping his promise appears.
4: I showed Diana.
2: So, she takes the book and reads it, and... You know, she has her hair kind of in front of her face, so you can't really see too clearly. Uh, But you see her start to shake a little
4: bit. I go sit on her log and put an arm around her.
2: She jumps a little bit and looks up, and you do see that her eyes are misty, and she is fighting back tears. And she gingerly hands you back the book and says, You know, I've still felt him around, but this is his handwriting. I've woken up from dreams, and occasionally just still felt like he was evil, but now I know he really is. I think this gift means more to me than you can ever know.
4: Kind of. I give her a hug, and then I say very quietly, To be specific, he's sitting on that log. And I point to the log he was sitting on.
2: She just kind of laughs a little bit, and looks over and just wipes her eyes really quickly. She says that's where he always did sit, and she takes her ladle and fills up her bowl, and fills up the bowl sitting in front of that log, hands that bowl to me.
4: I take it, and I kind of
2: cheers a little in the direction of
4: Buddy and I, I take a bite of it and kind of say so also there was this one other thing about a lady on an alligator and uh, I need to go investigate that real quick uh, but uh, yeah I'll keep you posted on how that goes oh okay don't worry it'll be fine it's just like all the other little side things that I wind up doing
2: right you know I try not to poke too hard into what you're doing Happy. See, she's I, kind of regaining her composure a little bit.
4: <laughs> like, i like, I do appreciate that. You are one of very few people who doesn't really ask a lot of questions.
2: Right. Well, uh, you're welcome to stay here as long as you like, but I'm going to be busy tending to the graves. And she continues to just sit and eat her soup, and you, you decide what you're doing. You
4: I'm going to kind of eat some more of my soup, and then I'm just going to be like... So I have a question for you. I, I need some advice. Just just a little bit. So I may have um, may have gotten a really good business deal I wink at her that may make me very popular all of a sudden, but I don't have enough of it to go around. All so
2: right.
4: what how would you choose who uh would get the amazing business deal that could definitely um, change a whole lot of lives if you only had about three of them to go around on a daily basis. Three
2: of what
4: exactly? Spells. Very specific one. Coincidentally, here's a tip and I hand her one of the two diamonds. Because I you know how I always get two diamonds even though I only need one. Oh
2: yeah. Yeah
4: yeah. Oh yeah. She's getting a second diamond and I'm just gonna be like that's all the explanation
2: I can give. So she kind of looks at the diamond kind of tosses it back to you and says, I don't really need diamonds. But she takes a minute to kind of collect her words and think for a minute. She says, you know, I often find really hard times when there is no right answer. It's better to do something than nothing at all.
4: Kind of sits there and finishes the last little bit of his soup and, you know, kind of gathers up the bowl and stuff and says, I appreciate that. I, uh, yeah. A lot's been happening recently, so, I mean, it's it's a good thing. Got some folks that I might actually call friends for
2: once. They those those people that you brought with you last time? They are
4: an interesting
2: bunch. They are, that. I don't have too many contacts that I keep inside of the city, but I've heard a bit of what's going on, and I've had quite a few more visitors lately. So, if you're somehow wrapped up in all of this, best I can say is, as easy as it might be, to bury your head in the sand and wait for someone more skilled or more capable or more insightful to solve the problem do something. Because if you get in the habit of doing nothing, well, it gets to be very easy to go to that solution anytime it looks viable. Don't do nothing. Even if you're not sure of the choice you're making, choose something.
4: He kinda looks at his empty bowl and sets it down and kinda gives her one sidearm hug and says, I really appreciate you.
2: Oh, Ebony, there's no one else quite like you in this city. Don't change.
4: Well, I can think of at least one who's a little
2: similar. As she puts down an empty bowl and is like, you'll excuse me, I do have work to
4: do. All right, all right. Oh, oh, before I go, I have one really quick, very important question. Is there a temple to the Raven Queen in, in this city?
2: Solely to the Raven Queen? Not that I'm aware of. There is the, the temple in the North District dedicated to all deities. The last I heard, Thanks. there were at least a few Raven Queen clerics there, but they don't have a wide following anywhere. Why do you ask? So
4: you know how I tend to lie about some things?
2: I haven't clue. I
4: I appreciate the fact that you stick with plausible deniability on this one. So, basically, I may have to get, I may have to explain myself at some point to them, but I'm delaying that for as long as possible. Yeah. If they ask where I've been, you've never seen me before.
2: Happy. I find honesty is the best policy. And she gives you this knowing smile and then just walks away.
4: (laughs) I love that, Yana. I smile and I think I'm gonna go back to the Bard Rock since I'm back in my physical
2: form. Okay, so this has taken, like, several hours, right? Between you going there and then going back. Hours have passed. Yeah, so let's see what they were up to in the
1: meantime. Yeah, so we're gonna cut back to...
2: Is there anything any of you are doing, or are you just going to sleep?
1: All right. I have some stuff for Brock and Armbar. So we get back to our room, and Armbar dumps out the barrel, and we separate the diamonds. And Brock kind of, like, fiddles with them, and Muck separates out. Muck goes to sleep in a corner. And after Brock is verified, are the first of all, are the diamonds still in relatively pristine, albeit now purple condition? So, I
2: mean, they're a little gross, but they're still, like,
1: they're diamonds, right? They don't. Right.
2: They're resilient.
1: All right. So Brock sees that and he goes, All right, have a good night, Armbar. And he literally just walks up to his bed and passes out face first, literally passes out, doesn't fall asleep, just passes out drunk. And then, about an hour later, Brock wakes up and he goes, Well, Armbar is fast asleep, and he sits at his desk and he writes a letter, which I have already mailed. I've already messaged Kenny on Discord. He writes a letter and he puts it in a box and he writes a second letter with instructions. He whisks away into the middle of the night, and he gives one of his retainers the letter with the instructions of where to deliver it, and then he goes quietly back to bed, as if nothing happened.
2: Okay, cool. Um, which retainer? Just DJ. DJ, outstanding.
1: Yep, the Goliath. Yeah. So you hand your Goliath a letter and a box with a letter in it. Yep. There's Brock also put some other items for the recipient, which the letter details. What. Sure. Okay. Happy. You get back after all of that.
2: Everybody gets a. Full night's rest. There are no interruptions. Epi, you sleep in a little bit as you were up a little bit later. Everybody just wakes up and Eppy's back again. Right. No, that's exactly what happens, except you're at the Bard Rock, so Rock and Armbar wake up and you are back. Brooke and Nadir, actually, uh, because you two went to other locations. Did you come back to the Bard Rock or do you have other stuff you would like to do?
0: There's just one thing, okay? Kenny All right, Brooke it. wants to try and sneak out without her mom noticing. Okay. <laughs> oh, it's getting good <laughs> That's that's the action. What do I do?
2: Alright, so you're you're back in your little closet of a bedroom, mm-hmm. right? Yep, I'm
0: it's, yeah, and so I'm gonna At what do-
2: point when? Like give me like, do you get a full night's sleep and then leave? Or do you, like, Yeah, like, I, duck out?
0: I get good rest, right? And then I kind of, like, think she's, like... So she sleeps in the day. So I think she's yes. already gone to bed. You know, she kind of took a quote-unquote early sleep. So right. I'm gonna try and sneak past her to go downstairs.
2: Okay. Roll a stealth check.
0: <laughs> 14 total. Ah bad rules.
2: Okay. So because she's asleep, she has disadvantage to perceive. That's in that one from
0: her. Oh too. my god.
2: <laughs> Your mom she tired. is out cold.
0: That's why she slept early.
2: <laughs> you know, so you manage to slip out. Other people are awake. And a 14 is not good enough for you to sneak out completely unnoticed by anyone, but your mother doesn't catch you. <laughs> that's, that's the point, so... Yeah. Specifically, the doorman on the way out, as he is manning the door, sees you leave. Mm-hmm. Like, alright, Miss Rook, have a pleasant day. Good to see you, as always. Alright. It's just this big brawny guy that just... Right. His job is to look intimidating, right? But, you know, he's... You know him, he's just a
0: teddy bear. Right. So I'll just be. And you're out. Yeah, I'll be like, bye, Balgrug, because Kenya, I wrote that down. <laughs> his name was Balgrug. All right. <laughs> I actually have a piece I'll of information.
2: You, I will give you inspiration
1: for taking good notes.
0: Oh shit! Carry on. Damn. <laughs> and that's it. I, now I'm finally ah, gone. Nice. Now I'm finally out. Yeah, I'm
1: gone. All right. So I have a thing for when Brock wakes up before he gets like notices Epi's there because he actually started in the Blackstaff Tower in his room. So when Brock and Armbar wake up, Brock gets up and he goes through his, the drawers of clothes he has. The Blackstaff, and he would actually, when he left his family's house, he had grabbed a spare outfit from his old room because he has no clothes. Okay, sure. And he puts on this, he puts on this regal black and green fine clothes. They're his family's colors, and he's getting ready, like tidying up his hair and everything for the day in the mirror. And he sings to himself, "Return home, the wayward son. You must face where you come from." Time to lay this feud to rest. You can't run no more. And then he wakes up Armbar and they head to the Bard Rock Cafe.
2: You go back to the Bard Rock Cafe. Armbar has decided he is going to skip on the lunch, as it's not really his cup of tea. Huh. Huh. Yeah, right. So Armbar is going to be doing whatever Armbar does in his downtime.
1: Pressing weights with his bros. Probably.
2: He's going to spend a not small amount of time in the cafeteria, just terrorizing the cooking staff and eating as much as he humanly can and looking very out of place as a jock in a nerd school. Brock makes it back to the Bard Rock Cafe. Effie is there, still asleep. Well, I would say Effie's Unless, still waking do, 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 up. Okay. Uh, Nadir, you would have also been at the Blackstaff's
3: Tower. Yeah, I would also like to sneak out without alerting Rook's mom.
2: <laughs> I will not require a roll for that.
3: <laughs>
4: me, You're luck.
2: As you are in a physically separate location.
3: <laughs> On the other side of town. Okay, cool, good.
4: Make him roll for it. <laughs>
3: No, Nadir will, like, gather his things, get ready for the day, uh, head out to the Bard Rock. He'll kind of start heading towards the wrong direction because his mind is still on the obelisk, but then probably goes through the front and meets everybody there.
2: Okay. Uh, and Rook, were you heading back here as well? Yes. Everybody is
1: here except for Armbar, who is doing Armbar things elsewhere. Oh, and once the yeah. Rook arrives, Brock is like. All right, so we have I have the luncheon of my family today. Uh, you're all invited. I'm trying to convince them to there's a the noble family's hoarding the potions. I'm trying to convince them to uh, donate the potions to the temple so that the guildless will not rob them. It's the bloodless way to solve this problem. If you don't want to come along, I completely understand. I kind of don't want to explain who all you are to my father, but you know, my mom and my brother can kind of help explain at least real, uh, yeah, that was uncomfortable yesterday. Yeah, I'm so sorry for roll. Hey, that's okay. That wasn't the worst part. Oh, no, no, the part where I fell asleep in my tea was probably the worst part.
0: Um, I'm actually not sure. I think I do want to come for myself, but who else will be
1: there? I mean, all right. So the uh, well, there was the Ralnorth family. I think. Am I saying that right? Yes. If the Ralnorth family will be there, uh, my family, including my father, will be there and then uh, all of our staff and any guests that I bring, which would probably be you three, which, uh, by the way, Epi, I'm particularly curious, are you coming? Because there's a very good chance one of my parents might recognize you if you come as Eppy.
4: Epi kind of slowly sits up, massive bedhead. Right, right, uh, right. Um, so, so run that by me again. You're, you're going to your- Parrot's house to try and convince a bunch of nobles to just give away their stuff.
1: I mean, it makes it sound like a bad plan when you put it that way. You know, I'm very convincing.
4: That is extremely true, but if I know nobles, it's gonna be like pry and teeth. So here's the real question: Do you want another noble family involved, or do you want a random acolyte of the Raven Queen to show up and maybe throw out like, "Hey, I can bring someone back from the dead."
1: you need me to for, like, a bargaining chip? There's a light in Brock's eye, and Brock is like, that is actually probably the best idea you've had since I've ever met you.
4: I've literally told you to change out Keystone Light for actual beer, and that's the best idea you thought I've ever had?
1: You had an idea just now that could save hundreds of lives, Epi. Me making slightly better beer at my cafe is a very dull comparison.
4: That might save some lives, though. It, it can't sell it too
1: short. Rock considers giving Epi a PowerPoint presentation on the number of deaths that have not been caused by alcohol poisoning at his cafe and decides to drop it.
4: <laughs> he just kind of looks and says, all right, but one question, one very quick question. So how many people in your family are magic users who could use Dispel Magic and also, um, Are we going to be there longer than
1: an hour? I'm hoping it won't last longer than an hour. Uh, My father is a soldier, no magic. My mother, uh, I believe she might practice magic, but she hasn't in some time. My brother is a paladin, which means he just doesn't have his magic right now. So I don't think you have anything to worry about us. I have no idea about the Ralnarth family.
4: Would I know if the Ralnarth family are magicians?
2: I guess you've never made this roll yet, so yeah, go ahead and roll, I'll say history. Finally! For you specifically, I would also let you roll Arcana if you would like to.
4: Same bonus. That whacked into a whole bunch of my other dice. One second. We're gonna go big dice on this one for Big Brain, so it doesn't whack into other dice. Okay, okay. The dice have spoken. So that's a 4 plus a 7 for a whopping 11.
2: For History and for Arcana? Let me roll Arcana then. Go ahead and roll a separate one for Arcana. Because you're also familiar with wizard circles here in the city.
4: Okay. That was a three. The dice say no. You have no idea who these people are. Well, okay. So
2: it was still above a ten. Right? Yeah. Like, just barely. (laughs) Yeah. So it's not like you recognize the name but you don't recognize it from any of your wizarding circles. Granted, that doesn't mean they're not from a wizarding family, right? Like, that doesn't You're not positive about anything right now. You know you've heard the name. And you were around a lot of wizarding families. That was... Went to magic school, right? Mm Mm-hmm. There's a lot of noble families. So you don't think they're a wizarding family, but at the same time, you might have encountered a caster from their family. Because, again, you recognize the name. Could be you've just heard of them. Could be you met somebody from their family at wizard school. You don't know. That's what you got.
4: Oh, man.
3: Are they just like, a Waterdeep family, or is their influence wider than that?
2: Uh, they are a Waterdeep family.
3: Okay. I was gonna say, Nadir might know him, but he hasn't spent that much time in Waterdeep yet.
1: Brock's like, okay, just, you know, do that thing where you change your face, pick a different name, it'll be fine, I'll just smooth you on through. As long as you don't act suspicious, they won't think anything of it.
4: Epi just kinda looks down and looks at Brock. I'll try my best not to look suspicious, but I can't promise anything. But I'll give it my best shot. And he kinda... Ambles out of bed. Do I still have my little, um, gargoyle buddy?
2: You do. And Rook still has fairy, for that matter. But they are yours to use, so I'm not interjecting them at random unless you interact with them. Excellent.
4: I'm gonna look at my little gargoyle buddy whose name I definitely wrote down and I'm not scrolling up to look at. (laughs) Be like, alright, alright. It's your first time going out. Since you were there with Sarah when all of this went down, you're coming with me. Be ready, buddy. I don't know what to expect from these folks, and some nobles are not good people.
2: Uh, it gives you a thumbs up and seems ready to go. Okay. Nice. I believe that just leaves Nadir.
3: I mean yeah. Yeah, I mean Nadir's going, he's gonna he's gonna schmooze with nobles, he's gonna get, get connections in this town that he's probably gonna be in for a while, so
2: Never waste an opportunity, right?
3: Yeah. Okay. Everybody
2: but Armbar is going to teach Cool. Oh gosh! Just a note.
0: Rook wants to make a slightly better impression, so she's not wearing her armor. She's wearing her common clothing, so it's just kind of like clean clothes that don't look like she's about to kill somebody. Gosh,
2: so yeah.
1: are not like rock's actually like, leathers. you know what? Yeah. Rocks like you know what I have my family has a wardrobe I can get all of you access to if we get to the luncheon about 20 minutes half an hour early I can get you all a change of clothes I don't think I, I think Eppy would probably stick with the raven queen thing but Nadir R- Rook if you'd like a change of nice clothes into formal clothes I can get you that when we get to my family's house
3: that might be good yeah yeah that'd be
1: that'd be good all right so unless there's anything in the encounter table stopping us I think we head over to Casa de Song yeah. Well, let's see. <laughs> okay. Nope.
2: No encounter happens on your way to the house of Song. You make your way there, and they are
1: expecting you.
4: I cast Alter Self before we get close.
1: Sure. Are you gonna be uh what what was your cover's name again?
4: Yeah, so you see Epi cast the spell and basically turns into this tall elf lady with really long black hair and just fully looks like the acolyte outfit and Just sort of pats everything down. Alright, this one's name is Sarah, and she talks like this, and we're all gonna be cool with that. Good.
1: And I give everybody double thumbs up. Alright. Alright, Sarah. And Brock walks them through the front gate, and he quietly finds Amanda and Sigmund and asks them to get Rook and Indira a change of clothes for the tea party. Sure.
2: And you guys are early enough, without too much trouble, you're able to get basically noble's clothing for everyone. Awesome. And before long, a horse-drawn carriage rolls up to the front of the house. And Stepping out from it is a man wearing the green and gold colors of the City Watch, accompanied by what looks to be a Captain of the Guard. They are admitted and brought up, and you are all quickly retrieved and told that the member of House Raoul North has arrived, and he has brought as one of his guests one of the captains of the City Watch you're all together in the dining room for tea notably brock your father has not stopped in to say hello to you yet. you know he is here but you all head to the, the dining area
1: uh, brock makes his way to the dining area he, and uh he also in the like half an hour hour beforehand explained basic tea party protocol to uh primarily rook but also like double check the deer is okay things like how to stir how many lumps of sugar to take <laughs> with your tea uh, the, like which fork to use? Like he just gave them the uh, abridged version of how not to embarrass yourself at a tea okay, party. Sure. I'll say this. Go ahead, real quick. Brock, give me a persuasion roll.
2: Actually, no. Just give me a
1: charisma check.
2: Just straight charisma.
1: That is twelve plus my charisma is plus five, so seventeen. Okay. And Rook, go ahead
2: and give me an intelligence. Check. Okay.
0: Ooh. Sixteen
2: total. Okay. So you know you're you're getting a crash course. You're able to remember a lot of it. You don't have all the details down, but for being taught, you know, within a span of like, oh crap, oh crap, it's time we have to get ready. Yeah, like you're you're on point. You're there. That's it. You latch on to a lot of the. You get the sense you're probably not going to embarrass yourself. That's good. <laughs> and you all watch as the doors of the dining room open, and you see the two guests escorted by Brock's father, Pop Song, and his brother, Love Song. Uh, and everyone makes their way to their seats, and everyone is seated. And Pop Song says, Alright, well, my son, Brock, has asked for us to arrange this meeting. Uh, and he motions to you, Brock, and he says, uh, I would like to introduce Brock Song. He is my <clears throat> oldest son and his cadre of friends, none of whom I am aware of. <laughs> uh, Brock and company, I would like to introduce you all to. Kaz Ralnar and Captain Greer. And they nod politely to you. Uh, the servants are making their way around and, you know, whispering,
1: like, all right, and would you like, how many sugars will you take with your tea? And just all of that business, right? How good is this tea? <laughs> this is noble family tea. This is not Brock. Like, Brock did not learn how to make tea from these servants. Like, this is not, like, the stuff he hawks at the cafe. This is good tea.
2: It is on par with Diana's tea. Or depending on your frame of view, Diana's tea is on par with this. It's good tea.
4: <laughs> I would like to take a sip of this and politely say, Brock, I can understand if this is the quality of food that your family is accustomed to serving. Why you would go into opening a tavern? This is very good tea.
1: I I make eye contact and drink it. Brock uses his telepathy to go check and mate. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So, Kaz places his tea with a light
2: clink back onto the plate and says, Ah, I understand that, Brock, you have some concerns about some property that we confiscated, uh, specifically the healing potions, and I, I understand the the concerns. You want to make sure that everyone is getting the healing that they deserve and that they need and that the people are being taken care of, is that correct?
1: Yes, but what's more, sir, there was an incident yesterday at, with uh, one of the guards outside of my tavern was encountered the uh, criminal Saren the Traitor. And he indicated that he planned to rob a noble family that had a large number of potions. And I didn't know who that family was, so I came to my brother, and he believed you were the most likely target. And I talked to him about it, and I think that it would be the safest move for the city if we were to get those potions to the temples so Saren doesn't have a reason to target your family. There's kind
2: of a heavy pause, and some time goes by without anybody saying anything. And eventually Kaz speaks up and he says, I appreciate you bringing this to my attention. I do have to ask, and I'm sure Captain Greer shares my concern, what is Saren, one of our city's most wanted, doing around your tavern.
1: Captain Greer, I'm not sure if you would have been read into this, but I'm, I'm certain that it is not general public knowledge, but there's currently a tablet of fate in my basement that came crashing into it a few days ago from the sky, and whenever magic is cast around it, random other chaotic magic happens, and... My friends and I were in my basement, and creatures attacked us, and Sarah the Traitor said to us when he arrived and destroyed one of the monsters that he, quote, sensed chaos. And in his monologue to us and the guard that we narrowly managed to escape, he revealed that he was planning to rob a noble family. And because of that, that's why he was there. Uh, he was coming because he sensed the wild magic. I have received this report, in fact... That is partly
2: why I'm here. I questioned my guard closely as to how he managed to leave with his life. Saren is not known for being particularly, ah, subtle in his methods. In fact, his lieutenant escaped the prison recently and killed one of our magisters and the entire outpost before we were able to properly inter the, the member of his unit in our high
1: security prison. So... I have to admit, I am curious why Saren didn't just kill you all. It's going to sound ridiculous, and Brock looks at his father, and then he looks to his brother and he says, I told Saren that if if I could defeat him in a dancing contest, he would spare us, and if I lost, we would help him with his ridiculous plan. I am a very good dancer. I was very confident I would win, and I did. I have no idea why he agreed to that, but he did, and he did it. And every, Brock looks to his friends and kind of, like, nod, like, yes, that's what happened.
4: Sounds fascinating. I will have to consult the, the leader of my church about it. Sounds fascinating.
1: So, Brock,
2: you specifically would see this. Your father, while maintaining a very impassive taciturn look, there's a specific vein in his jaw that you can
1: see just, like, tensing and letting go over and over again. Yeah. And And as Brock sees that vein, he says to himself, he says out loud, We were facing the most dangerous criminal in Waterdeep. I said to myself, How can I get us all out of here alive? And I leaned on the on the one skill I had. I knew I couldn't best him in combat. I said to myself, I need to convince this man to let us all leave alive. And that was the Morgan I made. I, it seemed ridiculous, but it was the one thing I could think of at the time. Kaz looks over to Captain Greer.
2: Captain Greer just says, Well, that does match with what my guardsman told me. So I have to admit... Despite a bit of skepticism, the accounts match, and I will take your word for it. This is abnormal behavior for Saren, but for now, we'll just be happy that everyone made it out alive.
1: And I will say this, Saren let us go, knowing that we knew about his plan. Which means, I discussed this with my brother yesterday, he thought, well, maybe we could use this as an attempt to capture Saren and his gang, the Guildless. But, because he knows that we know that he's coming, he's going to come in force destruction of property, loss of lives, with only the with very limited healing supplies. It just, this doesn't make sense as the place we would want the conflict to be. It seems like it's a necessary risk to your family, to your servants, to the guards, It seems like for something as simple as, and you'd be heroes to Waterdeep to get those potions back into the general public for the temples. It would just be, just make your family look very good. And it would avoid an unnecessary conflict with this vicious gang rising through the ranks of the gangs of Waterdeep.
2: Kaz gives you this, it's a very charismatic smile, but it's the kind of smile that you give when you're putting on a face. So like you're
1: familiar with this kind of smile, right? Right. Says, right, and Brock like said this kind of like knowing, like, what Brock was thinking, this is like, I'm going to word as politely as possible you're being a piece of crap by hoarding all this stuff, so it'll make you look better. Like, Brock was playing to that, knowing that this was probably the kind of guy he was dealing with. So this smile is kind of what he was aiming for. So he forward, he says, I understand. I appreciate your concern for my family's well-being.
2: And for the well-being of the people of Waterdeep, it shows I believe you were the ones that brought back the healing potions that were Robbed on the highway, and in fact, we are still inventorying all of that, and that will be returned to where it is supposed to be initially as soon as we are done with the inventory process. Here's my problem with this: my family finances the city guard. The healing potions that we retrieved were from suspected criminals. They are they are currently evidence, and we are holding on to them only as long as it takes to review the cases in a timely fashion, and then they will be do- donated to religious. Places of care to tend to the needy. Furthermore, we're not afraid of these terrorists that are threatening us. And they've done us the favor of telling us exactly where they're going to be. We know they're going to attack us. So I know to get my staff and my family to safety. We have a honeypot. Let's draw them to it. Let's make them a it. This is, after all, the City Watch's job. To capture criminals. And,
1: uh, well, to put it politely, we're not cowards. And I think nothing of the sort. I think that when you think, like, fundamentally, we know that Saren will strike and where, we don't know when. So it could be a few days from now. It could be tomorrow. It could be in two weeks. So how long are you willing to live with all of, like, basically waiting for him to attack? As I mentioned, he knows that you know he's coming, so he will probably not make it that easy for you. It might be easier to make a public campaign where we advertise the fact like we're going to get these potions to the temples. Maybe move them to a more centralized location that's not on your family estate so that Saren will at least not think you're hoarding potions, because it sounds like that is what he's leading on, these potions that are going to be rightfully distributed anyway. You know, put them, like, separate them out amongst the guard houses. Give them to the black staff to watch over. Something that's more secure and CERN is less likely to target. Otherwise, we could be sitting on this attack that we know is coming for potentially weeks. Maybe a month. We don't know how long he's going to wait to strike, knowing that we know he's coming. At uh, this, Captain Greer is getting visibly more agitated. He says, you
2: are putting quite a bit of stock into these common criminals' abilities... And a rather alarming lack of faith in my own men's abilities. I can vouch that they are very highly skilled. And we are capable of dealing with this. Saren is one of our most wanted. Do you think we will not match him? Do you think we will not be ready for him?
1: We have special forces. We are capable of rising to this challenge. Captain, my concern is not that you can rise to this as a captain challenge. My concern is... How many lives will you lose in the time, and how much manpower will you use watching an estate for a month on end, waiting for Saren to strike when he's going to wait until he thinks you've stopped paying attention? If he waits two weeks, that's two weeks where you have all these guards that could have been protecting the city elsewhere watching over a vacant estate. I believe you are more than capable of bringing Saren and the Guildless in. Wonderful! I just think it's a question then of... It's this then We'll keep watch, and we'll bring in
2: Saren and his guild. After all, what's a couple of weeks watching this estate that deals with all the most dangerous people in the city rather than waiting while he scurries about here and there in the docks district.
1: Effie, we just opened up a gift shop to help raise funds to rebuild the Bard Rock. Look at this fancy new design.
4: I'd love that on a new t-shirt.
1: You are transported to a world
2: of t-shirts all identical feel your sense of self slipping away from you as the shirts reach out and grab you and assimilate-
4: uh, I cast dispel magic.
1: <laughs> Epi, where'd you go? Wild magic. Don't ask. It was terrible. So, so, where's the gift shop going to be? Oh, well, we have two storefronts, redbubble.com and tpublic.com slash users slash bardrockcafe, so anyone can support the Bard Rock. You know, the coffee mug is really cute. And that's not all we sell. We have T-shirts, hoodies, children's apparel, baby books. Bard Rock Cafe's
2: clothes. gift shop is now open. Sales go to support the show, so if you want to help out and also get some cool Bard Rock Cafe merch, go check it out.
1: And that's everything we had so far. Epi, are you listening? Hmm? Did Did you say something? <sighs> <sighs>
4: Can I cast Thaumaturgy without anyone really noticing on account of them being so heated in discussion?
2: It's still going to be a roll, but I'll let you let you roll at advantage, because nobody's- That's more rolls
1: than I've gotten to do. Do what now? <laughs> That's more rolls than I've gotten to do, I didn't get to do a single charisma-based roll for this.
4: <laughs> I would like to use Thaumaturgy to make it sound like a whole bunch of crows are calling, and it echoes a little bit outside of the windows. Just loud enough that they would be able to hear. Okay, so roll at advantage or what?
1: Um, so it's gonna be, yeah, it's gonna be stealth and advantage. Uh, Brock's gonna throw Epi Bardic Inspiration too.
4: Oh, thank goodness. Okay, so we have a sixteen plus one, and I think I am gonna blow that Bardic Inspiration to add to it.
1: All right, go ahead, so it's a D six. It.
4: It's a D six. Okay. Yep.
3: Okay.
4: So, that was a two to add to it. So, sixteen plus three for a nineteen. Okay.
2: Yeah, they're not paying attention to you. They are all very focused on Brock at the moment. So go ahead. You, you definitely get their attention with thaumaturgy, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I will say that love song. Brock's brother is looking at you with this hint of amusement in his eyes, but he says nothing.
4: Oh boy. Sarah would like to gingerly set down the cup and says very politely, If I may, I would like to interject.
1: Uh, Brock yields the floor. Yeah, and Brock just... Go ahead.
4: Okay. She's like, So, I am an acolyte of the Raven Queen, and at this moment in time, those who serve the Raven Queen are the only ones able to bring people back from the dead. Captain, and I... I'm sure you have heard the reports.
2: I had heard rumors. Dead guardsmen brought back to life. Are you saying that was you?
4: I am saying that it was the will of the Raven Queen that those two guards be brought back. At this time, not many are able to be brought back from the dead. Now, I'm sure you're aware that the Raven Queen stands guard between the point of life and where life ends. Now, as her acolyte, I would like to remind you that She does not look favorably upon those that would throw life after life into that point with little regard for what was planned for the rest of the long lives they would have otherwise had. So tell me, you don't fear Saren, but do you fear the only holy magic still working in this time? Because I can assure you, if the house of Ralnarr, by their actions, throws many to the brink of death that would not have gone otherwise. The Raven Queen will not smile upon your house, and I assure you that when you die, there will be only darkness waiting for you. And I'd like to cast darkness. I want to spook him. Yeah. I'm sure this will go well. It's fine.
2: <laughs> Alright, so go ahead. You go ahead and roll intimidation. Yay! I'm gonna roll religion for love song and for Kaz.
1: brown Yay,
4: i I. I think that's what the raven queen does.
1: (laughs) Yep, I think you nailed it.
4: Okay, Intimidation. Okay, so... (laughs) Ba-da-ba-da-boop. Ho-ho-ho-ho! Hell yes! Okay, so I have a plus three to intimidation, and I rolled an 18 for a 21.
2: Okay, so go ahead and roll... Well, we're gonna play it out. You cast cast Darkness. Mm Mm-hmm. And you hear just a bunch of, like, very cautious clinks as everybody puts their teacups down. Whew. No one is saying anything. And like 15 seconds of silence goes by. And then you hear a Pop Song go, son, I will not be Father. disrespected in my own house. Control your guests, or I will have them evicted.
1: Brock uses telepathy to tell Epi, Epi to drop it.
4: Epi's going to stand up, say very politely, It seems that my message has been spoken. Heed it at your own will. But should the Ralnarth family be found to have hidden its stores and for their own greed sacrificed many soldiers, there will be no reviving for those who are a member of the Watch. And I walk out, and the darkness follows me.
2: You can't see in your own darkness.
4: Okay, I walk out, but I leave just a hair less of the darkness so I can see the door. (laughs) If possible. Because yeah. I realized, well, because I realized something. What's up? Alter self is concentration.
2: Yep. I was so is there. darkness. I was, yep, I that darkness is
4: following me. <laughs> yep. Okay. So I'd like to be able to get out the door and take the darkness with me, but I, I would like to cast.
2: Oh, go ahead. Just do what you gotta do.
4: Okay. I'm sorry. Um, but if I'm able to get out the door at all. I would like, or even if I'm able to just walk a few steps, I don't know, but if I'd like to get out the door, if I can, to drop darkness once I'm outside, I'd like to cast Alter Self, in that darkness, for however brief a moment it's there, to look like one
1: of the servants of House Song. Uh, real quick, for those two spells, did that be proc wild magic?
2: (laughs) Well, that's why I was like, alright, I'm gonna let you finish saying what all you want to
1: do. Okay,
4: we'll see how much of it gets done.
2: So, cast <laughs> darkness, first of all. is fine. That's a canter. Cast darkness. So I'm gonna roll for that. Oh, yeah.
1: Roll a d100. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is gonna go well. Two.
4: Oh that's, oh, that's a two. Oh, boy. This is
3: gonna go great. So that's I'm a so two.
2: excited. Roll a d20 for yep. me.
4: Oh, crap.
2: More okay, dice. Okay. More dice. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Eleven.
2: Okay. Nothing noticeable happens. Oh, boy. All right. You are trying, in the middle of a field of darkness, to make your way out of a room you've seen once. I'm going to have you roll an intelligence saving throw to remember as you try to walk blind out of the room.
4: I'm so glad I have that bonus. Okay, here we go. Ocean dice, don't fail me now. Okay, so we got a 13 plus 7 for a 20. Okay.
2: So, that was the DC (laughs) I had in mind. You find the door, you make your way out, you drop darkness, and you cast Alter Self. See if that procs wild magic. It does not. Okay. You are out of the room. The darkness field goes away. The minute you close the door behind you, the darkness fades
1: in the room. Because it does not go. That's not how it works.
2: It is blocked by solid
1: surfaces. And as as Epi leaves, Brock's like, uh, you know, I'm also going to say I and several of my friends have been afflicted with wild magic, which I believe should also be in the guards' report. Some of us have wild magic. I believe that is what happened. I don't believe that Sarah had meant to cause any disrespect. All right, now I'm going to let you roll a persuasion. Chief. That was a All good one. right. All right, so that is 13 plus 8 is 21. Okay. So Captain Greer says, I had heard about this.
2: Uh, there have been whisperings of it all throughout the ranks. It's fascinating that you've had it affect, affect you. Yes. Well, I, I will choose to I will choose to believe this. It will just
1: let bygones be bygones. Well, the Black Staff has... Made it very clear that that uh, the obelisk that struck my basement may have been the cause of the wild magic, and I was at ground zero. That thing dropped my building on top of me. Above game, I just want to say, Steph, that was a really
2: good catch, because if you had dropped to that darkness field, you 100% would have been Epi, and not
0: this raven queen crazy oh yeah i need you to know
2: i had my hand on the big red button just waiting for you to do that but you didn't
4: (laughs) i was i read my spells Uh, good job (laughs) i didn't fall into the wizard trap of not reading my spells before i cast them
2: sorry for breaking the scene i just wanted to say i was like Geared up, ready to just detonate this whole social interaction. But you <laughs> dodged it.
4: Well, hopefully that helps at all. I played the I played the res card. Good luck, Brock. I'm going to run away. Yeah.
1: <laughs> anyway, so Brock returns, regains his composure, takes the floor back and says, "If I have one last thing put on the table. My friend, the Accolade of the Raven Queen. Uh, one of the reasons they had come with me today and I can still facilitate this is uh, if House Ralnarth has anyone they need resurrected or any high-priority guards for the city, I'd be willing to negotiate, like my friend was willing to resurrect them in exchange for setting up this more peaceful solution to the problem with Saren so we can get him on our terms and not on his. Roll a persuasion check to advantage. That is 12 plus 8 is d- a dirty 20, and then 14 plus 8 is
2: 22.
1: Okay, so Captain Greer kind of
2: perks up, but he... He defers to Kaz, and Kaz just leans forward, like, with this confident interest. He says, well, now that's something entirely different. I'm certain we can make an exception to our our rules, given that we now have resurrection on the table. We have a few, quite a few. So if we can organize, have the clerics of the Raven Queen come and assist the City Watch in bringing back our fallen, we will make sure that our potions get distributed to whoever needs them the most immediately.
1: That sounds amenable to me. I, I will track down my friend, the Accolade with Raven Queen, and see if she can arrange for her or one of her associates to come to uh, whatever guardhouse you need, that has resurrection needs. And it sounds like I can trust those potions to get back on the streets in a quick fashion. And he holds out his hand for a handshake. Oh, certainly. Uh, and he reaches out and shakes your hand and he says, I do have to ask, uh, so we have
2: several hundred that we've lost recently, in a riot that happened in the Lower City. How quickly do you think we can bring those back?
1: We are happy to provide the diamonds ourselves, of course. I know that the Raven Queen's acolytes are few in number, and it's a very high-level spell for many of them, so I cannot beat for certain. I can talk to my friend about that, and they can, when they show up to revive for you, can probably give you a more definitive answer about how many they can process. That's just something I don't personally know, unfortunately. I understand. Well, for the sake of simplicity,
2: we'll... Gather our fallen at the Temple of Lathander in in the northern district. Have the clergy of the Raven Queen meet them there. And as soon as we see them getting to work, we'll have the potions distributed very quickly from the Temple of Lethander
1: All right. Thank you. And if, we, if there's no other business that anyone has to discuss, I think we can just enjoy the rest of our tea. I agree. This has been so much
2: better of an interaction than I could have hoped. Uh, and Captain Greer just looks just about giddy at the thought of getting some of his guardsmen back. And as the, the conversation goes on, you know, it, he does mention that, you know, he's had to tell several families, you know, your, your loved one has been lost, and now he can tell them, you know, we've found divine magic that works, and we're going to bring them back. And he's very excited by this prospect. And, Brock, you even see, like, just a hint of, maybe not pride, but maybe respect in your father's eyes at having navigated this as well as you did.
1: Brock notes his father's uh for lack of a better word, pseudo pride. Yeah, it's not Yeah. Yeah, you get the idea. Brock, knows, Brock know Brock no Brock knows what his father's look means. Yeah. It's the best he could have hoped for. It's God, I hate that this is the only parallel I have.
2: This is the that'll do pig expression. You know? <laughs> like,
1: it's not he's not like beaming, right? But he's like, that's good. And Brock actually uses telepathy to message love and like, did you see that? You get a message back. I'm still reeling from the cleric. That was something else entirely. You should have brought her last time. Yeah, well, she was busy. She was actually healing people. Yeah. Anyway, so, uh, I do have one thing for after the tea, unless there's more for the tea. No, I mean, unless, does anybody have anything else for the tea party? I think I'm good. Oh, no, Eppie, you're gone. You're not even there. I'm gone. No, no Eppie's wandering around dressed like a butler. Yeah. <laughs>
4: I'm so tempted to cause trouble, but I'm not gonna push my luck.
3: <laughs> I think I think this whole time because uh, Brock has had a handle on things and then he didn't uh, Nadir has just kind of been sitting back uh, with like his, his right leg kind of up on his left sitting back a little bit relaxed T tea in, in one hand saucer in the other pinky extended as far as he can possibly get it with arthritis. <laughs> just <laughs> No no no. Your hand is fine, remember? Oh yeah! Oh my god baby Yes
2: yeah.
3: Baby egg hands, yeah. No, so he's he's definitely doing it as far as possible because he hasn't <laughs> been able to do it in a long ass time. Uh and he's just he's just sitting there drinking, smiling, every once in a while giving a mm-hmm just uh in in affirmation, but he's letting everybody else kinda do their thing. Well, and over the course
2: of conversation, just by being present are, you know, an elf, right? Yeah. And you are an older elf, which is worthy of attention in its own right, because that means you're several centuries old. And so the conversation does, for at least a little bit, take a turn into, you know, who are you, where are you from, oh, it's so nice to meet you, welcome to our city, you know, yeah, pleasant conversation. They all know you and have been introduced to you, right? Like you...
3: Right, right.
2: You have made an impression. And I'll say, just because... Of your nature, either I will let you roll either charisma or history.
3: Oh, you'll let like a straight it? charisma
2: or a history check. Okay. For your discussion with them, does that make sense?
3: Yeah. Sure. All right. I was gonna say he probably like tells a couple stories anyway, so let's go with history. Uh, has a thirty-three sound.
2: Jesus Christ! All right. What? Yeah, that's right. No, I Dang. forgot. I gave you
3: that item. <laughs> Nadir, yeah. Nadir's like. Entire shtick is just knowing things about the past. Does he drink and know things?
1: Tea apparently.
3: Yeah, he drinks tea. Oh, by the way, <laughs> uh Nadir definitely spent a sorcery point to subtly press the digitize his tea because he's a cranky old man who only likes it one way. <laughs> okay.
2: Amazing. I will let you just get away with that one, because that's priceless. <laughs> Nobody notices, you're just you have your tea Exactly right
3: yeah well i also come on, come on. i can i can spend a sorcery point to remove verbal and somatic components
2: oh yeah you have subtle spell i got you yeah like you just did it <laughs> oh man a 33 it's a good roll yeah yeah you give them all a good history lesson on the time of troubles the last time that the, the only other time that divine magic stopped working and what all that meant, and how this time is different—you know, obviously the gods are not walking around among us; we would have heard by now. Um, but the tablets of fate did make an appearance, right? So one of those is apparently in Brock's basement. Wait, uh, should I? You can have like pop song. Intrigued at this point, he's like he's leaning forward, elbows on the table, which is wild because that's a social like faux pas to put your elbows on the table at any point. He's got his elbows on the table, his hands clasped in front of his head, and he's just paying attention. And you just, you have everybody's rapt attention as you talk about, you know, this is what's happened before. And this is why I'm here now, because it's, it's happening again, but like, it's different. Yeah. You have a really great time to make a really good
3: impression. Yeah. Um, point of order, though, should, I don't think I would actually reveal that the obelisk is one of the tablets?
2: Well,
1: Brock already Gregory did. Checked. Oh, did he? Not in the, already. In... Okay.
3: Yeah, that, yeah, Brock was leaning
1: on that for, like, I need to explain why Saren was at my cafe without explaining he was specifically trying to hire me for a job. Okay. I was like, I'm just gonna say the outlandish true thing in hopes that it just says... Okay. So yeah, never mind. Also, these are people who are in the know. Both of these families run the town guard who are in the know about this.
3: Fair. I guess we don't need to keep it that big of a secret.
1: Yeah, it's... It's not common knowledge, but you're not among commoners.
3: Right. Okay. Which... Speaking
2: of commoners, Rook, what are you doing during this tea time? Rook, um, Rude. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Rook is just trying to, um, not, to remain not the focus of this, but, um, she does want to make a point to just say hello and, um, kind of make a better impression in front of Brock's mom, like, say, like, greet, like, yeah, Brock's mother from last time.
2: Well, oddly, Brock's mother is not.
0: Here. She isn't here, so she, I can't even say hi to her. She's not even around
2: around. Well, I mean, you could have popped in and said hi to her at some point. Okay. Before tea time started. Oh darn.
0: well, never mind then. Uh, wait
2: a minute. I man. mean, if you wanna, if you wanna say you did. She didn't want to. It's not like she didn't want to look at the spectacle her son was making of himself. <laughs> nah, I get uh, the sense yeah. that Pop Song wanted only officials here for this. Well, Paladin of Tears. during the tea party,
0: I just basically don't say a word, I try to, like, <laughs> blend in with the background, even the fancy clothes I chose, I chose the darker colors that were available to me. Um, oh, of course. Yeah, right, and, um, but I did try to pop in and greet, very briefly, Brock's mother.
2: Okay, so roll a charisma check for that. Okay. Just straight charisma. No, make it persuasion. And that's a ten total okay so like you're a thief
0: and I'm awkward as hell you're, yeah it's cool
2: yeah you're, you're awkward as hell you're in her house you're with her son so like she's not gonna say anything you get the sense that it's still awkward when you leave Just really unsatisfying but uh, it, is, no, what it is. is what it is <laughs> yeah. oh well for the tea party as you are staying quiet and not really saying a whole lot, go ahead and give me an insight check as you just pay attention to the conversation.
1: Uh, is everyone rolling or are you prompting like just, just Brooke, to roll because she's quiet and okay. just observing the
2: conversation. Okay.
0: Oh, it's a natural twenty.
2: Well, you know the drill. Well, this went so well last time.
0: I don't even know what to say. Okay.
2: At least it's an advantage, right? So sixty four and forty three. Yeah. Okay. Let me take a look. You get the better of the two, which might help. <laughs> But it's not going to be that one. Um, what's the other Forty-three. Okay. Mega arms. Mega legs. Some cool thing. Okay. So without telling you which one is which, you're going to take the one that has no noticeable effect, rather than the one that compels you to steal something. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so, no noticeable effect.
0: Uh-huh. Mysterious.
2: So with a... Sorry. Yeah, now that we're past that. With your natural twenty... Yes! So you get a pretty good read on everyone in the room. So I'll just give you this as you watch the conversation from start to finish, right? So as everyone comes in, you get the very clear sense that Kaz and Captain Greer did not come here looking to make any kind of concession. They were very much interested only in basically getting a sense of what Brock is on about and also trying to feel out just the situation in general, right? Because there has been a sighting of Sarah. get the sense that that is what drew the here, not the potion thing, Mm -hmm. right? However, so, and Love Song, you definitely get the sense he also saw right through that, right? Like, he knew, like, he knew the score the minute they walked in. So, Love Song was just barely even present. Even with a 21, it's hard to get a read on Brock's dad. Oh, wow. You get the sense that he probably, like, he understands politics and the situation and these people. You get the sense he probably knew, right? Okay. But... His son asked for this tea time, so we're going to have tea. Your sense of the captain. The captain seems like a very straightforward, by the books, maybe a little uh, arrogant, because he had a couple of promotions and now he's got some authority. Uh, But he's very confident that he and his men can take Saren, uh, and that was his big draw here. That was kind of the one note that he had this whole time. Right? The 21 that will get you some information on Kaz. Kaz, you know, like you posted in the chat, I'm rich. (laughs) Like, yeah, he's, he's definitely a snobby noble, and he came dressed to the nines in all the, the City Watch supporting regalia that he could put together, right? He didn't come in his family's colors, he came in the City Watch's colors. And even that was making a statement and just as an above game note the reason I wasn't having Brock roll persuasion until the very end was because what Brock was saying just was not going to resonate no matter what you roll the DC was too high It was was, persuasion is to convince somebody if they are unconvincible on a certain point it doesn't work that way right you can't take a bad guy whose sole purpose is to take over the world and roll a 30 persuasion to get them to not right it's just not that way
3: but you can't so, do it to convince somebody to have a dance-off with you. Yes, because Saren was open to it, oddly. Okay. So,
2: he was only interested really in getting information about Saren. He doesn't have any respect at all for Brock as a person, or any of you for that matter. He kind of has this look, and you recognize it because you see it a lot as a commoner, and I'll give you a lot of crap for this, but you are a commoner, that look of superiority. Like, looking down your nose at everybody and just deigning to share the same space as them. But when the offer came up for Resurrection, that's something of tangible value. Worth way more than some healing potions, right? Yes, we have healing potions, but that's Resurrection. So that changed the conversation from, yeah, yeah, he just wants us to give the potions out to these people that don't need it. When I could use it to save people that... Matter to me, and it went from that to, I can resurrect people that I've lost. So he's going to take that deal, right? And the sense you get is that the the Raven Queen, Darkness, calling of Ravens moment, while it was certainly flashy and dramatic, also broke much. a lot of social uh, rules, and didn't really. In a different <laughs> situation, it might have connected harder. It did, but work. not. <laughs> But then they were willing to look past it, because again, Wild Magic, they did genuinely believe that statement. And they weren't really that upset about it, because it was just kind of like, okay, it's it's another filthy commoner just trying to act like more than they are. Basically was how Kaz took That's what you get, because you got that right. insight. That's your impressions as you watch the conversation okay. across the whole tea time. Yeah. And sorry for just dragging that out, but no, no, that's I wanted really
1: to give you... And then as the tea time winds down, Brock pulls his brother aside into a separate room and says to him, I was thinking about the conversation we had yesterday. Uh, do you have an idea how much it would actually cost for someone to apply to become a math lord? So he kind of just looks at you with this incredulous look. Like, are you serious? Just ballpark figure.
2: I, dude, I don't know. It's not just about the gold. Like, you have to have something of value to offer to the city. Like, I don't know. I, I, let's say, I don't know, gold alone? 100,000. 100,000
1: gold, you can probably get it. All right, so I have, and Brock pulls out a bag of 50,000 gold worth of nicely washed, no longer purple diamonds. I have 50,000 golden diamonds here as a starter for that. I figured that and our family name, I might be able to get my way on there as a start. Can you help me start and start the process on this?
2: So Love Song, kind of. he's kind of speechless right now, right? Because you just... Sideswiped him with that question, out of nowhere. And then you dropped a bag of diamonds at his feet. And that's not like a small number of diamonds, and he's like, Look, I'm not the one to ask about the family name being put into it. That would be something to ask Father, and you and I both know what he would probably say, but you can try. He might be different after tonight. You you did pretty good in there, all things considered. I know that he kind of sighs, takes a breath. I know that in the past, Adventurers have retired and become a master board. So, if you do enough services for Waterdeep, I think that would probably be enough to stand on your own merit without leaning on our family name. And if you hit that point, chances
1: are our father would
2: also put the family name in it as well because then it would just look good.
1: Brock thinks on this and he says, "All right, tell you what, brother. Can you just do me a favor then?" And I, I came into this money yesterday. I, long story short, I drew from the deck of many things and it gave me a bunch of money and. So, I have this money, and I think it would be good for whatever the application is to become a mass lord. And I think that your plan is a very sound one. So, can you just s- squirrel this away for me? And that will be what I use it for. I don't have a... I currently don't have a place to sort it because my home is a smoldering crater. I want to see it. The deck? I, I want to see the deck. Brock taps his chest and summons the deck. He sees the deck and I'm, it's like... I can... That's crazy. That's a legendary artifact.
2: And you just have
1: Brock it. points at the bag of diamonds... Didn't have that yesterday, and I, I can draw another card, but I don't know what'll happen. If you want if you want to see, sometimes nothing happens. I've had that happen once, but I was trying to prove it with the deck of many things. Would you like to see me draw a card, brother? He's, so like, he knows what the deck of many things is, right? Because it's a legendary artifact. Everybody knows, like, some of those things you hear about in stories, right? Yep, I, the tablet of fate in my basement gave us this to help us save it, and I drew from a card, I drew a card last night, and that's how I got it. I believe you. I think you're an idiot. Don't draw from that. It's
2: dangerous. I was drunk. Definitely be. don't draw from it in our living room. <laughs> and Brock dismisses the deck. All right. I will take your bag of diamonds, and I will make sure it is kept safe. Just, you are wrapped up in some things that are just way above your pay grade.
1: Be careful. If there's ever one thing I am, it's careful, brother. That is a lie. I mean, I'm, I avoided a life of military service and opened a cafe. What would you call that, Vicarious? That is
2: literally the riskiest... Never mind. Never mind. Just...
1: <laughs> just stay safe, uh, I will avoid mentioning that when I talk, when I eventually talk to Father about applying to be a mass lord, but for now, I'll shelve it. I have to deal with the literal divine God-level object in my basement first.
2: Yep. And you just see, like, the, the gravity of everything that's going on in your life Compared to Love Song, who just has lost his magic and has been a couch potato for the past couple of days, has suddenly started to just weigh on me. You get that without having to roll an insight check because he's your brother. You get the sense that he's very, very just. He's feeling existential
1: right now. Does that make sense? Oh my. God. Oh, he, oh yeah, he's like. He's like, my brother, the wash-up, is the, is the chosen one, apparently. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly it. I'm the divine quest. I'm a paladin, and my brother is the divine quest. I did all this time going to military academy, training to be part of the paladin's
2: order of tears. I finally made it after years of hard work and grit, and my brother who went to go join a band. It opened a right? restaurant. <laughs> you opened a Starbucks,
1: and now you're the chosen one. Like, that that's where he's at. <laughs> <laughs> and he's definitely heard Brock say the story of like, someday there'll be bar rock cafes from here to Neverwinter. Just every town you stop and there's gonna be a bar rock cafe. He's heard that speech. and He's just like, Oh God. Oh yeah.
2: And he like does the half-hearted support thing. Like, yeah, I believe in you. You can do it. Follow your dreams. Yep. Uh, and Brock knows he doesn't mean
1: it, but he's like, you're a good brother. Right. Like you're not the same, but like he's trying to be supported. Yeah. Anyway. All right. So after depositing the diamonds and having their conversation, uh, Brock returns to the tea, which is probably winding down now.
2: Yeah, so everybody
1: for the sake of brevity, because
2: we're getting on in episode length at this point, tea time has wound down. Everybody goes their separate ways, unless anybody has anything specific they want to bring up.
1: I think Epi needs to go deal out three resurrections really quick to spot that deal on, but other than that, I've got nothing. Well, <laughs> Epi has booked it. <laughs> Epi is not there. So. Epi did didn't hear me make that deal. Epi was gone. <laughs> Epi left. Mm-hmm. No, Epi was literally. Epi was canonically standing there in a servant outfit in the hallway. And then left. <laughs> I heard you say it was uh, wild magic. Alright, so apparently Brock tracks down Epi, lets them know the terms of the deal, and says, get on that, and that's all Brock has. Okay. So I will say everybody meets back up at the Bard
2: Rock Cafe. Because that just is like the default meeting spot. Uh, you good with that, Epi?
4: Yeah, I'm good with that.
2: They're oh, all back at the Bard Rock Cafe. Everybody is brought up to speed on how the key went, and you have the rest of the day to pursue whatever task you feel is important. That is where we're going to end this episode. Thank you guys for listening, and we will see you in the next episode. Bye-bye.
1: Thank you for listening to Bard Rock Cafe. You can find more episodes on SassyGamers.com. Have you considered becoming a patron? You can get wild rewards like access to our patrons-only Discord, tarot readings from Rook, and access to exclusive one-shot campaigns set in the Bard Rock universe, led by our DM, Kenny. Visit patreon.com bardrockcafe to find out more. Until next time, rock on!